everybody this is 60 minute overtime spring 2017 episode 3 today's january yep check it 27 22nd 2017 i'm your hostess danielle mccartan uh real quick you can find my work www.prosportsrundown.com twitter at coach m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n youtube search coach space mccartan soundcloud.com slash coach mccartan on demand itunes podcast coach space mccartan and itunes store tune in radio it's under the radio. It's under 60 minutes. 60 space M minute space overtime and play.google.com. And you just have to search on that. I figured it out finally. Coach McCartan, all one word. Video simulcast right now on Periscope at Coach McCartan and on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. All right. Wow. 18 viewers. 15. 15. I got to make this screen a little bit brighter on Periscope. We got 15 viewers on Periscope right now. Just started the feed. And on Facebook, we have three people now it's down to two sorry was it something i said all right uh so today oh also we're broadcasting live wrpr 90.3 fm this is this is me and you today everybody so uh we got a lot i got a lot of stuff to talk about what are your thoughts i want to know your thoughts on number one johnny manzel is eyeing a successful nfl comeback question mark uh your nfl predictions analysis thoughts questions uh this is going to be a big one Steroid era players in the MLB Hall of Fame? Is that going to be a thing? Steroid era players in the Hall of Fame. Do you think Jorge Posada got snubbed? And then my all-time favorite one thing to talk about today is going to be competitive advantage versus cheating. Where does one draw the line? Okay, so we'll take your phone calls. We have, uh, who's we? Me. Me. I. I'm taking your phone calls. 201-825-1234. Let me hit you with that jingle for the call-in number. Got something to say? Call the studio. 201-825-1234. Okay, that's the number to call in. Okay, today's guests are going to be number one. Uh, in order of in order of coming on, it's going to be mm, Dellen Betances three-time All-Star and New York Yankees star pitcher. Dylan Batances will be with us today. Chris Villani, radio host for WEEI in Boston and also ESPN Radio, obviously. He was on, uh, I think, last week with us. Um, and he was talking about the Patriots and and their matchup last week, so he'll be doing the same this week. Uh, with the, with the today, is, today is NFL Championship Sunday. Can football get any better? The winners today are going to the Super Bowl. I'll have all the coverage of that. Everything you need to know, I will have. Donald J. Trump is our new president of the United States of America. Uh, I just 
Thought it'd be cool to take a look at what some of the sports stars are saying about Donald Trump's inauguration from Friday. Today's Sunday. He was inaugurated two days ago. Hudson Street. And these are all tweets, by the way. He said, today we start a new chapter. Let's work together. And remember that saying negative without an idea is creating divide and it does not help us. Drew Butera tweeted, you've seen him on here. I've interviewed him. You've seen him. You've heard him. He tweeted, damn good speech at real Donald Trump. Hashtag M-A-G-A, which means Make America Great Again, for those of you who don't know what that means. Uh, also, we had something from Justin Forsett. Justin Forsett said, quote, Some of those Secret Service people could play left tackle right now in the league. Obviously, speaking about the NFL, <laughs> I thought that was an interesting take on that because I was almost thinking the same thing watching that. I was thinking like, wow, these guys are huge. I mean, they probably don't have the technique, but they definitely have the size, for sure. Definitely. Was anybody else thinking that? Watching them walk down the street with the Trumps? Okay, what the f- <laughs> So I love this segment. I've come to love this segment. Um, I, I'm just restarting my Periscope feed here. They're saying there's no sound for some reason. I'm not really sure, so I'm going to work on that. Um, as I try and talk here, this is going to be difficult. However, like I, like I teased before, Johnny Manziel is eyeing an NFL return. Yes, the Johnny Manziel, Manziel, as I like to call him, Johnny Manziel, the party dude, the guy who, have you've seen pictures of him completely out of his mind, Vegas pool parties, everywhere in the world, basically. Uh, he's Ryan Leaf has reached out to him. Many players have reached out to him to help him. He, I mean, he, I guess he was talented at one point in time. However... He kind of fell off the wagon a little bit. Um, and like, unlike Doc Gooden, he couldn't get his act together and play the game at the same time. And Daryl Stroh, Doc and Daryl, both of them. So he couldn't get that together. However, he's eyeing a return to the league. And this was a tweet, I believe, from... I think it was January 16th, I want to say. He tweeted out to his followers, all of his followers. And his followers, uh, he said to his followers, no lie. No lie. I was a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word. I was a douche in 2016. I'm just trying to be a good person again. Hashtag lost in the sauce. So Johnny Manziel is eyeing a return to the NFL. And what better way to do that? Through the new NFL's Spring League. This is a, um, I don't want to say remedial, but sort of. This is like a second chance. We'll, say, we'll call it that. It's, it's a second chance league for guys like Johnny Manziel who maybe might have not given it their all the first time around. Um, older guys maybe that are still thinking that they could play. They could show, showcase what they have, their stuff. 
So Johnny Manziel got an invite to the spring league of the NFL, and we're not sure if he's going to take it yet or not, but we'll see. We will see if he does. I think he should. I mean, you never want to leave any stone unturned, in my opinion. So Johnny Manziel, which team would take a chance on him? People are going to start speculating. I'll start speculating. Where does he fit in? I don't think he should go to a team without much structure, we'll say. I think that Johnny Manziel would be a good fit. I'll say it. I think Johnny Manziel would be a great fit in a Dallas Cowboy uniform. I know Dallas fans are going to freak out, but I'll tell you why. Because Jerry Jones runs a very tight ship down there. And to be on the straight and narrow... You'd have to go to somebody that runs a tight ship. I mean, you, you can't go back to Cleveland. You can't go to the Jets. And I'm, I'm, I'm just picking out teams that, that need help at the quarterback position. Obviously, you know, he's not going to go to a team that doesn't really need him. Depends on how he does in the spring league, of course. But I think that, you know, with, with Romo exiting, Dak Prescott being in there, I think, I think Dallas would be a great fit for him. Other teams, maybe. I can maybe see him. Ooh, I don't know. I think L.A. would be a, a problematic for him. I think L.A. would uh, would pose lots of, how do we say, distractions to a guy like that. I think if the Raiders, or when the Raiders do move to Vegas, that's obviously out. I don't think he would be good in the New York market. I think he's got to go somewhere smaller. I think Dallas offers that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Jones reached out to him, considering how he does in the spring league with the invitation to that. But I, uh, I, I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me if Johnny Manziel is looked at by the Dallas Cowboys. Again, two zero one eight two five one two three four to call in. That's one of the things we could talk about. That's on the shelf. Where do you think Johnny Manziel, providing that he has a good, solid spring league? He does stay on the right path. He said he's been working out. He told TMZ he's going to be working out or is already working out. Where do you think he fits in? I think Dallas would be a good guess. Last night was the uh, BBWAA dinner, which is the Baseball Writers Association of America, I think that is, dinner at the uh, Hilton Washington, Washington, the Hilton New York, Hilton Midtown, really. And uh, summarize, I was there. Uh, me and my father had gone to the awards dinner, and I was there. It was basically like a, a who's who of journalists, especially New York ones. Um, the best and uh, uh, MLB player, players were there. Uh, in attendance were Mike Trout, who was the who was the uh, American League MVP, Chris Bryant, National League MVP, both there in attendance. Uh, to receive their awards, obviously. Um, we had the managers of the year there, including Terry Francona. We had Cy Young winners there, Max Scherzer. Um, we had rookies of the year there, Mark Teixeira, Dylan Batances. You know, the best of the best, basically, in the MLB currently, and those who have retired, including Mark Teixeira. Um, I mean, the speeches were a little long. I'll be honest, you know. But it was cool to see all those guys, you know, the future of the MLB and and the current 
MLB stars and, and the past MLB stars. Also, by the way, in attendance was we had Rookies of the Year, and we had a guy, Tim Raines, there last night who was just inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame. So we had guys on both ends of their spectrum uh, of in terms of careers there. The baseball writers, who were, most of them were in attendance last night, elected the newest three members of the Hall of Fame this week. Ivan Rodriguez, who was a former Yankee at one point. He was on a bunch of different teams, but yeah, at one point he was a Yankee catcher. Jeff Bagwell and Tim Raines. Tim Raines was also a former Yankee. I always think of Tim Raines as a Yankee. Yvonne Rodriguez, I always think of him as a Ranger. So Now, a lot of Yankee fans are very upset that Jorge Posada was not... See, what happens is that the writers have to vote. And if you get... If you as an athlete get 75% of the vote, you are automatically in. Now, if you get less than 5% of the vote, you're automatically out. You can be, and if you're in the middle, between 5 and 75, you are allowed to be on the ballot for 10 years. You are up for vote every 10 years. So, a guy like Jorge Posada, you know him very well in the New York market. Jorge Posada was a catcher for the Yankees. Part of the dynasty years, won many World Series with the Yankees. He was uh, one of those guys who received less than 5% of the vote. Therefore, he can no longer be allowed to be invited back to be discussed about future enshrinement into the MLB Hall of Fame. He is now out forever. So Tom Kohler, who's a current pitcher for the Miami Marlins, tweeted... How does Jorge Posada fall off the ballot after one year? Oh, yeah, and this was his first year of eligibility. He wrote, I don't know if he was a Hall of Fame lock, but come on, this is a broken system, end quote. Upon my further research, I saw that Tom Kohler attended New Rochelle High School in New Rochelle, New York. He was born in the Bronx, and he's 30 years old. Okay, I'm from North Jersey. I'm 28 years old. I want to venture to guess that this Tom Kohler was probably a Yankee fan. He has definitely seen the Yankee dynasty years, of which Jorge Posada was integral, shall we say, right? Clutch. So I think that if you're looking at it objectively... I don't think Jorge Posada had the numbers to get in. That's how Jorge Posada, Tom Kohler, falls off the ballot after one year. If you are outside, and I talked to Lindsay Bear about this, if you are outside of the New York market, people don't care about Jorge Posada, unfortunately. Um, he, you know, he was a great Yankee. He was a, a penultimate Yankee. He finished his career as a 273 hitter. Batting average of 273, only 275 home runs, and a little over a thousand RBIs. And I mean, let's just take a look at uh, Jeff Bagwell career numbers. Jeff Bagwell's career numbers, who was just um, inducted. Uh, Jeff Bagwell career numbers are. Let's just see here. He is uh, a three, uh, basically a th career 300 hitter. He has double the home runs that Jorge Posada has. 
finished with, and he has about 500 more RBIs. Which leads me into the next thing here. Oh, and I have one more question. Why leave a guy out? Like, if you keep Jorge Posada on, on the ballot, right? There could be a guy that's entering, you know, his 10th year in the ballot that might be left off. And why, if Jorge Posada doesn't have the numbers, why do we bother keeping him in the running? Why? Why take a spot from a guy who may be more deserving than him? Because he's a New Yorker, because he played on the Yankees, because he won World Series? The guy doesn't have the numbers. Cut and dry. People, baseball writers, and I think they got that. So Jeff Bagwell. Okay. This, uh, this year was interesting. My question to you, everybody listening, is do steroid-era players belong in the Hall of Fame? My opinion Unless it was proven, cut and dry, I think they should be. Now, if you look at it, last year, Barry Bonds. We all know Barry Bonds is a suspected PED user. I don't know if he was ever, someone will have to let me know if he was ever confirmed as using them. But last year, Barry Bonds was voted on by the people. He, between last year and this year, has a 9.5% increase. Like I said before, you need a 75% to get in to the Hall of Fame. You know, you know, 75% and you're in. There's no debate after that. So he's now at just about 54%. He had a big jump. The other guy, longtime suspected perf- uh, PED user, was Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens had an 8.3% increase. He's now at 54.1%. Again, you need a 75% vote to enter. Now, w- let's explain this phenomenon. I believe that younger voters, you know, these are the writers, the baseball writers. Okay, so the the writers have a say in, in who gets in and who doesn't. I think, obviously, the older ones are retiring. <laughs> so if they're retiring, that means they don't have a vote. Y- you could probably predict how those older people are going to vote. They're probably going to vote against guys like this joining the Hall of Fame. Correct? I wouldn't be wrong, I don't think, in saying that. So by those guys dropping off the end of the ballot and younger voters coming in, I mean, people my age, I'm talking, that was like when we were younger. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. I mean, that's what I watched. That's what I know. So with these guys coming in and and girls and women coming in to vote around my age, I would love to get a vote one day, by the way. I think as the older people drop off, the younger people come in, I don't think it's such a big deal anymore. Right? There's a new regime in town, or beginning to be. There's a little bit of a a revolution here. Now listen, Mike Piazza, he's inducted last summer into the Hall of Fame, last year's class, him and Ken Griffey Jr. Piazza was suspected, never proven, of PED use, inducted last year. Jeff Bagwell, suspected, never proven. Look at this. 1993, Jeff Bagwell had 20 home runs. 20. 2-0. 1994, doubles it. Just, just, well, almost doubles it. 39 home runs. What happened in between there? Did he really, really hit the gym really hard? Did he pump iron? 
did he really study, take AP classes on how to hit a baseball to double your home run production in one year from 93 to 94? Okay. He was inducted this year. Yvonne Rodriguez, suspected, never proven. Throughout his first 21 years, he averaged 20 home runs. Between 1996 and 2001, the heyday, the heyday of all the steroids, right? His home run average over the course of those couple seasons was 25 home runs a season. Not a big jump, no. Still a jump, though, during the the steroid era. So what I'm trying to say is it's a very, very gray area. It's gray. My conclusion is there's no way to tell. 100%. If any of the guys already inducted into the Hall of Fame use steroids or not. When you can prove it to me that guys like Piazza, Bagwell, Rodriguez, and, and, and others. If you can prove to me that they were 100% clean throughout their entire career, I will change my stance. But you can't. You can't prove without a reasonable doubt that these guys use steroids or not. So in that case, you let him in. You let him in until you can prove it. So for now, the question's going to be, which guys from, quote-unquote, the steroid era of baseball would be allowed in? Now, someone called in. I was listening to, to you know local radio the other day, and someone called in and said, well, how about in the Hall of Fame we put a, a wing dedicated to the steroid era, and those guys can be inducted into the wing. I'll tell you why that's not going to work. Because one, there's no proof that they used it. But he, the guy was saying, anybody from that era that played. If I'm a guy, if I'm clean, and I'm going to be inducted into the Hall, MLB Hall of Fame, who cares that I played during that era? I know I was clean. I don't want to have my image tarnished by a couple idiots. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to go into that part of the Hall of Fame. I would want to go into the real Hall of Fame as a clean player or as someone who has never been convicted of using steroids, who was not involved in Balco. I don't want to go in a special wing. I got there by my own merit, my own hard work. So that is going to fall flat on its face. I, that was ridiculous. That was actually ridiculous for someone to even even suggest that. So what do you do? You let the guys in. You pick from that era the best of the best. You, you maybe have into consideration who would have made the Hall of Fame even if they didn't use the steroids or suspected of using the steroids, and that's how you go from there. It's not that hard. I think the writers are making this into a bigger thing than it is. It's, it, I, I see it as cut and dry. I don't see a gray area there. Unless it's proven, you let them in. Unless they admitted it, you let them in. Right? I mean... Come on, call in. 201-825-1234 is the number on that. Let's add that to the list of things we can talk about. We have a call coming in. Hello, what's your name? Where are you calling from? You're on 60 Minute Overtime. Hi, my name's Lenny from Central New Jersey. Lenny. All right, Lenny, what, what's your topic of the day? Baseball Hall of Fame. Baseball Hall of Fame. What do you think? I think the steroid users should go in. The, uh, I mean, people like Clemens and Bonds and the A-Rod, I guess, coming down the pike, like among the greatest of all time. And I don't think it would have changed much. I mean, they wouldn't have compiled the stats. They compiled, obviously. But I think they still would have been the greatest players of their eras, steroids notwithstanding. 
And I agree with you 100% that who knows, you know, who actually took steroids and who didn't take steroids. What happens if the uh, 2003 report comes out and some of the people in the Hall of Fame now are already named? Do they get kicked out? That's right. Do they get put in a special wing? No. 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 My only concern is, like, the steroid era players, figures, uh, statistics are inflated because, you know, of the steroid use. So now is people down the road who are playing cleanly, let's say, you know, steroids and HGH and whatever, Mm -hmm. is out of baseball now. Is somebody going to say, well, this guy only hit 450 homers. The standard we have is 500 homers or 550 homers or, you know, it just changes the whole... I know I'm not explaining it well, but... No, no, I get it. Yeah, it it just changes the whole statistical guidelines of what's a Hall of Famer. Right. I mean, you know, somebody who's Sammy Sosa, you know, who I never really think of as a Hall of Famer, but he had a lot of homers. So you're going to say, well, somebody who only hit 450 homers but played in the non-steroid era and, you know, had other comparable stats, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because we're drawing a line at 600 like somebody like Sammy Sosa. No, I, I definitely agree. Now, what do you think about Jorge Posada? Um, I'm a big Yankee fan. Uh, I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, right. and I'll tell you why. Um, to me, and I'm Andy Pettit, I'm going to group in the same thing also. To me, to be in the Hall of Fame, you had to be among the best players or one of the two best players at your position during the era you played. And Andy Pettit was always a middle-of-the-rotation guy, compiled a lot of great stats, but he was never the ace of a staff. He never won a Cy Young Award. I don't even know if he was ever close, maybe once, to winning a Cy Young Award. Same thing with Jorge. He used to bat, like, more down towards the bottom of the batting order. Right. You know, you might say he's the greatest number seven hitter of all time, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he was among the greatest of his ever either. And uh, I don't know if this one I'm going to say is controversial, but I don't think Craig Biggio deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Now let me take a look at Craig Biggio's numbers. Do you have them offhand? Well, he has the 3,000 hits, so that's like the guaranteed election into the Hall of Fame. Uh, But he played like a million years, whatever, I don't want to say. Now I'm starting to sound like Donald Trump. (laughs) Uh, He played a lot of years, (laughs) uh, compiled compiled a lot of stats. He was an excellent ball player. I don't think he was ever one of the greatest catchers, center fielders, or second basemen during the time he played. He was basically a compiler, to quote some other radio host. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I wouldn't have put Craig Biggio in the Hall of Fame either, but like I said, my standard is, was he one of the best at his position during the era he played? Right, and I feel like sometimes defensive stats sometimes get lost on this. I think everybody's so focused on what they did at the plate and right. on the bases. I think defense right. sometimes gets lost. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember Biggio. I know he played three different positions. I just don't know if he was really a great defensive player at any of those positions. I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just trying to look this up real quick. Yeah. Craig, Biggio, that'd be called a fielding percentage, right? And that's not everything either. I mean, you yeah. got to see how where he is in, in clutch situations and everything like that. But let's see. Oh, he's from New York, New Jersey, actually, Craig Biggio. Well, he went to see. Didn't he go to see? I think he went to see in the hall. I think so. Yeah. Uh, his fielding percentage, of course, it's batting. Everything's batting. Why is everything batting? Yeah, well, somewhere on BaseballReference.com. That's what I'm on, yeah. Probably check percentage of plays he threw out. I mean, everything is subjective, actually. I mean, uh, Pudge Rodriguez threw out, you know, this very high percentage of 
people who steal bases, but then I've read that like pitchers hated pitching to him because he called fastballs all the time. Right, right. Yeah. So, so uh, Biggio's fielding percentage is a uh, nine eighty five. That's okay. not so bad. No, I mean I don't remember him being a great center fielder. Yeah. Probably was a better catcher than he was a center fielder or a second baseman. But uh, obviously he's a great athlete. I just don't know if he's a baseball immortal. Right. Right, and that's what it is. And and one more thing before for for uh, let you go over Lenny because we have to get into football. But certainly, the Yankees. Okay, Jorge Posada did not even get, you know, he, he didn't even get the five percent of votes needed for the Hall of Fame. Yet the Yankees have retired his number. Do you think the Yankees are too number retire happy? I'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> <laughs> now I, I don't know if you, I'm going to start <laughs> talking about Sparky Lyle's number getting retired. <laughs> all right, that's for another discussion. Um, oh yeah, I mean it's all to sell tickets and things like that. I mean fans are really into the core four, and uh, you know they sell a lot of tickets by retiring Paul O'Neill and Jorge Posada, and uh, you know um, who else did I think was kind of like borderline-ish? I don't know. Bernie Williams, maybe. Yeah. I mean, these aren't immortal players. These are great Yankee players. And I don't know. I think retired numbers, again, should just be for the immortals. They want to put a plaque for these guys out in Monument Park. That's great. You know, I go to Monument Park at least once a season, and it's nice to see new plaques. But I don't know. That thing about the numbers, it used to be just like for the greatest of the greatest. I mean, the mantles, the roots. No, I mean... Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio. I can't right. believe you left off Yogi Berra. Yeah, oh, yeah, and Yogi Berra. You left off the Italian Americans. What's with you? <laughs> Yogi Berra. I mean, seriously, though. Seriously. I mean, first of all, Yogi Berra, when you think about Yogi Berra, baseball immortal, the guy also was a, a war veteran. I mean, yeah. You know I'm, what I'm saying? Like, okay, what did, not to belittle him, but, but what did Bernie Williams do? I mean, Bernie Williams is an incredibly clutch player. Right. Uh, yeah. But not a baseball immortal, not a, an American, you know, United States immortal, you know what I'm saying? No, no, no. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, these are great players. These were my, like, my favorite players with right. the Yankees. Right. I feel bad that, you know, they keep talking about the core four. Right. And Bernie isn't part of that. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, you know, Mariano, yes. Jeter, yes. Yes. Pettit, well, Pettit, again, PED suspected. Not suspected, he's admitted. He admitted, oh, that's admitted. right, he went on, yeah. he went on he, trial. He admitted, but he was contrite about it, right. so... Uh, right. yeah. He went on trial with Clemens. Well, he was a, a witness, allegedly, against Clemens, yeah. and then when he got on the stand, he didn't remember anything, <laughs> which I guess is all right. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, all right, thank you for taking my call. I love listening to your show. I learn a lot about football, which I don't know a lot about. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I look forward to your next segment. I'm Dylan Batanzas, pitcher for the New York Yankees, and you're listening to Danny McCartan on 60 Minutes Overtime. And that's on WRPR 90.3 FM. Now the MLB. There are 23 days left until pitchers and catchers. Oh, oh that's it. That, yeah, that, that's ironic because I'm going to turn around and I'm going to show. I didn't even plan this, I swear. I'm going to turn around and show everybody listening and watching that I am wearing my Don Mattingly 23 Sure. That's there. There are Don Mattingly days left until pitchers and catchers report to spring training. I had the opportunity to sit with three-time All-Star pitcher of the New York Yankees, Dylan Batances. That was Friday night at All-Star Collectibles in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. And here is my interview from then. I'm Daniel McCartan here from All-Star Collectibles in Pompton Plains, New Jersey, with Dylan Batances, three-time All-Star New York Yankees pitcher. Um, first of all, you're a New York, New Jersey hometown guy. Um, who was your favorite Yankee growing up? Uh, for me, I'll probably say it was Jeter, 
mm-hmm. Mariano and Brandon Williams. Those are my three guys. Uh, obviously, I uh, grew up in those years where they were winning all those World Series mm-hmm. champ- championships. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are the three guys that I look up to the most. Now, you're you're 28, right? Yeah. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> we, we grew up in the same. So, have, I assume you've met all of those guys. And who? what kind of stories do you have with, with those uh, man, first time I met Jeter, I just remember being drafted in 06 and uh, just seeing him walk in the same room I was in. It was kind of, you know, it's just it was just strange for me. I was starstruck. First time yeah. I was starstruck. And, you know, obviously, uh, Jeter being the guy he is, uh, you know, made me feel right at home. You know, uh, I actually spoke Spanish uh, to my father that was there. Just a couple words. He so, did? Yeah, that, that's cool. that was pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Um so do you, do you still have any connections to Teaneck, New Jersey? You would live there, right? Yeah, while? yeah. I've actually owned a house there. My parents oh, still cool. live there. Cool. So we, uh, since I signed, I bought a place there. And, uh, you know, I don't live there now, but my parents yeah. do. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and uh, the Yankees' illustrious history, all the numbers that are retired. How did you end up with 68? Did you pick it or was it given <laughs> to you? For me, it, it was a number I got. Uh, and I just felt like I, I just stuck to it just... You know, I'm 6'8", I'm so it just kind of, I, I felt like it just went with me, and I didn't really want to change numbers, so, you know, you know, it's gone good for me, so. Pretty good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, teammate to Jeter, you were a fan of his growing up. I mean, I think everybody our age was. Um, what is it like for this coming season to see his number being retired in Monument Park? I mean, that's going to be awesome. Obviously, uh, I got the chance to play with him, and, uh, you know, he's just a class guy, uh, you know, one of the best out there. And, um, you know, for me to be at that field and share that moment with him, I think it's going to be special, and it's something that I'm looking forward to. Star-studded event, I'm sure. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Stadium will be packed for oh, that I'm one. Sure. <laughs> I think I'm going to buy a ticket. <laughs> so um, it sounds like you're a big basketball fan. I thought this was a cool question. If you could play basketball, who would your dream team be? Like the other four guys on the court, who would they be? Uh, does they have to, like uh, retired players or uh, current? Whatever. Uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, and Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Yeah. Right, what about guys that are still playing? Steph Curry. Steph Curry, Westbrook. LeBron James and probably KD. Okay, yeah. all right. So who's who's your MVP for the season this year? Man, it's tough. There's so many I good know. guys uh, this year. James Harden's doing an unbelievable job with the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. what he's doing is phenomenal. And uh, you know, LeBron James, he does it in you know every year. But I, I feel like if I was to pick one, I would pick James Harden. Okay. Any particular reason? I just feel like, uh, you know, obviously Mike D'Antoni uh, being a new coach and um, they're, they're, um, they're running that fast-paced offense, uh, you know, has benefited him, him playing a point guard position. I mean, he's they're playing really well and um, he's averaging almost a triple-double and, you know, I, I'll pick him. What do you think about Westbrook not making the starting rotation for the All-Star game, starting lineup? Uh, it was, you know, for me, I'm a big fan of Westbrook, so mm-hmm. it was kind of disappointing, yeah. obviously. Uh, you know, he's very deserving to start. Not many guys has average triple doubles. Right. And it's like just, it's hard to get a triple double in a game. Yeah. He's averaging a triple double in the season. So for him not to get picked as a starter is disappointing. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll get uh, 
his chances to, to win MVP once he's in the game. I'm sure, yeah. So, um, have you ever, because I saw an article that you said you would want to dunk over CC Sabathia. Have you gotten the chance yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, you know, I was just messing around, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to get that chance, but it will, it will feel good if I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we were talking just a little bit, football, who do you have winning the Super Bowl this year? Who's your favorite? Well, the favorite to win. Well, I mean, there's so many good teams left. Uh, you know, what, what Aaron Rodgers is doing is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I feel like they're going to be hard to, you know, be hard to beat, but uh, Matt Ryan has been playing well in the Falcons, but, you know, I I got Green Bay, and I got New England. So, and I'm, I think Aaron Rodgers is gonna walk yeah. away with the Super Bowl. Yeah. So tomorrow night I'll be there too. You're gonna be honored in New York at the BBWAA dinner. Uh -huh. um, it's uh, the Willie Mickey and Duke Award. You're receiving it with Andrew Miller and uh, Aroldis Chapman. What's that gonna be like? It's gonna be fun. Uh, I don't think Chapman's gonna be there, but it's gonna be nice to see Miller. Uh, obviously, uh, we weren't together for very long, but. You know, the time we were together, it was a special thing uh, just to be able to watch those guys pitch behind me. You know, I enjoyed it a lot. Now, moving into the 2017 season, you know, you got a 98-mile-an-hour 98 fastball, 84-mile-an-hour slurve, 2.16 ERA in your career. What will you be zeroing in on improving this, this spring training? Uh, for me, it's just, you know, keeping my consistency throughout the year. Uh, you know, Working on, 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 on lowering my walk totals, uh, I did last year, but hopefully I can get that down a little bit this year. And just working on the small aspects of the game, uh, you know, being able to hold runners better, and, you know, defense part. Now, does it does it hinder you that you're you're a, a big guy move, moving towards home plate a little bit in, in the pickoff move? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that I never really worked on as much, but I feel like, uh, you know, I've they've taken advantage of that part of my game so I feel like that's something that I gotta work on and I've been working on this offseason. So having Chapman back? It's fun you know yeah. uh, that guy's a work uh, workhorse uh, you know I love seeing him pitch and it's gonna be nice uh, handing him the ball at the end of the games. And uh, hype leading into this season who are you most which prospect are you most excited to, to work with? Uh, for me uh, I want to see you know obviously Clint Frazier, uh, heard a lot of good things about him, and Glaber Torres, I mean, uh, you know, what he did in the fall league was pretty impressive, me playing there, you know, obviously, what, what he did at, at that age, I think it's going to be fun to watch him. Now, you're going to be in the World Baseball Classic, uh, real quickly, um, what do you, I mean, the, the Dominican Republic won it last year, yeah. is that a little bit of added pressure for you, joining that team now? Uh, I mean, it's going to be fun, uh, a lot of the people back home and, and DR, they're, they're excited, so I'm, I'm excited to play. You know, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and, and for me, I'll, I'll just try to go out there and do my job. And uh, so, last question here. We've witnessed the Yankee dynasty as fans. Is this the start of a new one? I hope so. I mean, I want to be a part of it. Uh, you know, there's nothing like winning here in New York. Uh, just being a fan, I, I got to watch a lot of a lot of these uh, guys win and the parades, there's nothing better than that. So hopefully I get to experience that and that, that'll be awesome. Have you ever gone to the parades? No, I've never gone, okay. but uh, I always watched them. Yeah, me too. I went to one. <laughs> okay. It was a disaster. <laughs> okay, I'm Daniel McCartan. This is Dylan Matanzas, and thank you. So uh, go and like All Star Collectibles Facebook page.
to keep up to date on all of their upcoming autograph signings. There's a big one coming up. If they can do it, there's going to be a big one coming there. And uh, as well, you can like my page to get all of my latest content from them. And I, I retweet some stuff on there, too. So it's Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, streaming live now. Issues, issues, issues with Periscope. I apologize to everybody that weekly watches me on there. Uh, that whole interview, I was trying to work it out. There's no sound on Periscope, so I'm going to have to shut that down for the rest of, of today. Now, let's get into um, the – let's just start talking about the the Patriots game. Okay, so the, the Patriots game – Steelers are at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing at the New England Patriots. It's NFC Championship weekend. They're playing the later game today at 6:40 p.m. Eastern on CBS, live from Gillette Stadium, which is in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Patriots are five in one in the last six AFC Championship games, which is quite incredible. And let's hear from first of all Red Sox former Red Sox player David Ortiz. He's on Twitter posting videos about the Patriots. Here you go. Here's David Ortiz. Patriots fans, it's game day. Let me hear you. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go, Patriots. Let's get them. So um, some inspirational words from David Ortiz. Let's go, Pats. Let's go get them, Pats. And calling in right now should be Chris Villani. Radio host for WEEI in Boston and ESPN Radio. Chris, is this you? Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Okay, so I've, I've just introed the, the Patriots at Steelers, uh, Steelers at Patriots game. I haven't talked anything about it. Um, you being the radio host for the it's the Patriots Radio Network, right in Boston? It's actually ninety-eight-five the Sports Hub. We do uh, Patriots Mondays and Fridays over on WEEI, so we do a ton of pass coverage all week. Yeah. Okay, great. So, what what do you got for this game? Because I haven't said anything yet about it. <laughs> well, it's uh, I think the toughest test of the Patriots are going to see all season long. Um, obviously, well, to this point at least. But uh, during the season when the two teams played, the Patriots won, uh, but that was without Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback. That was Landry Jones. Uh, so that's a big, oh, by the way, Roethlisberger was out with that shoulder injury. Obviously, he's back. Uh, it's one of the most formidable uh, offensive trios you're going to find anywhere in the NFL with Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger, the three Bs, so to speak. Uh, this is a game, I think both of these games today, more so the other one, more so the NFC game, but this is a game where there could be a lot of points on the board. Uh, I do think the, I'll say up front, I do think the Patriots win uh, today at home, very, very uh, effective. Brady at home, 16-3, I think is his uh, postseason record at the, in Foxborough. So he's had a lot of uh, success there. The Patriots have had a lot of success there. But I think uh, it's going to be a time where the Patriots' defense is tested, maybe more so than it has uh, at any point this season. I think we talked about it last week. This is the unit, the Patriots' defense, secondary, how they cover, can they get that one big stop. Those are the questions that have been sort of plaguing this Pats team, even as the defense has not allowed a lot of points and has had relative success over the course of the year. So uh, those who have defended this defense who think the C is uh, able to get those big stops when they need to, this will be uh, the opportunity for, for them to show it. But I do think the Patriots win maybe by about 7 to 10 points this afternoon. Well, that's that's that's. I I think I agree with you here. But now, Bell, Le'Veon Bell is averaging, like you said, the the three Bs, the killer Bs that they're calling him out there. Bell is averaging three point uh, four point nine yards per carry, seven touchdowns on the season. Now, the, the New England actually, 
I, we talked about last week. Their defense doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, ever. They have the third best defense in the league. How do you see that stacking up today? Well, I, I think it's the matchup to look for. I think that's the biggest one. That that will determine the game. If the Steelers can't run the ball uh, or, or can't get Le'Veon Bell going, they're dead. I, I don't think there's a way they can win this game. So if Bell has a, a breakout performance, if he has one of the games that he's had uh, a lot, especially here in the postseason, then, yeah, then I think the Steelers have that puncher's chance. But the last part of this year, you know, eight out of the 12 games of his 12 mm-hmm. games this year, Le'Veon Bell's been over 100 yards. I think he said it close to five yards a carry. But the Patriots have done a good job at trying to contain the other team's best back. That's one of the things that they really do uh, well, and that Bill Belichick always does well, is take weapon XYZ, whatever it is, whatever the scariest weapon is, and try to take that away. And if you look at the top 10 rushing leaders, top 10 rushing leaders versus the Patriots this season, according to NFL research, well, they're only averaging about 66 yards per game, only one rushing touchdown, fewer than four yards per carry. None of those, and this includes Le'Veon Bell when they played in week seven, none of those top 10 rushers were able to gain 100 yards in a game against the Patriots this year, and their teams went one and six. So when you look at those, uh, you know, those numbers and the way that they're able to match up against some of the better backs, I think it bodes well for the Patriots. But that said, this is the single most important matchup, I think. Uh, will the Steelers be able to get Le'Veon Bell going? If they can, they can hang into this game. If they can't, uh, the Patriots will win. And uh, the, the Patriots have not allowed uh, a run greater than 45 yards all season and only six total rushing touchdowns, the lowest in the league. So, yes, I agree. That is going to be the number one thing to watch. Now, the other thing I want to talk to you about is Jesse James. I think he's going to – if they need to win – I think he's going to have a, a big game because Patriots, they're, you know, if I'm the Patriots, I'm going to scheme against Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to double-team Antonio Brown, which leaves Jesse James in single coverage. He's averaging 8.7 yards of reception, three touchdowns. And, um, and what, what do you see? What do you see with him? And how are they going to be able to match up with him? Devin McCourty, I assume, is going to, is going to get him. What do you think? Well, we'll see. I don't know if the Patriots will be playing one uh, particular you know, secondary piece on, on anybody in terms of shadowing one guy the entire game. But I think uh, you kind of hit, you know, hit the nail on the head in terms of guys who can kind of keep the Steelers in this. A lot of times it's not those guys that you expect. And you know, the Patriots have had trouble in the past uh, at times covering tight ends, covering good tight ends. Jesse James has been one of those this season, uh, despite being uh, so young for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But he's a guy that I think Pittsburgh needs to get going a little bit. Um, look, they're going to get a, a steady diet, I think, of Antonio Brown in this game. I don't think there's any way around that. He had over 100 catches this year. He's a guy that Ben Roethlisberger is going to look to more than anybody else. But James is one of those guys that can be sneaky, that can kind of beat you uh, when you're not expecting it. And I think that's uh, definitely somebody the Patriots are going to be focusing on a little bit today. That said, you want to take Bell out of the game. You want to limit him first and foremost. You want to do what you can on Brown. Uh, so I think James will have opportunities, and I think other guys that are, are sort of those secondary and tertiary options for the Steelers are going to have those opportunities. The question is, are they going to cash in on them? That's right. Now, when we talk about experience, we have you know, old reliable Big Ben and old reliable Tom Brady. I mean, this is a matchup of the titans of quarterbacks, No. Yeah, in the AFC right now, I don't think there's any question about it, but this is a, a top-heavy passing game. This is a game where I think both teams are going to want to throw the football more than uh, than they run the ball. 
Um, these are, are the two best quarterbacks in the AFC right now. You look at the four quarterbacks that are left. I mean, they're they're the cream of the crop right now with Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan on the other side of the of the ledger. But uh, this is going to be a, a matchup of great quarterbacks. And is all the success that Brady's had, you can't discount Ben Roethlisberger. The guy's got double digit postseason wins. He's won two Super Bowls. Uh, this is the reason why I think you asked yes uh, last week rather. Would I rather see, from a Patriots perspective, the Kansas City Chiefs and Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC title game? And for me, it was easy. I'd, I'd rather see the Chiefs. I would have rather uh, have seen the Chiefs from a, a perspective of the Patriots winning. That said, um, the Steelers uh, you know, were able to get that victory. They can go on the road and win. They can go on the road to a tough environment and win. They just did that last mm-hmm. week. And a big part of that equation, no doubt about it, is Ben Roethlisberger and uh, his postseason experience. All right. Now, I, I, before I let you go, if, and if there's anything else you want to add, please jump in. Now, first of all, the Patriots are 5-1 in the last six AFC championship games at home. Like, I mean, Tom Brady is unbeatable at home. But now, breaking news, I guess, is that the hotel fire alarm went off at 3 a.m. in uh, for the Steelers Hotel. Was that sabotage? Yeah, actually, I think it was Brady himself uh, who was in there pulling the alarm. No, an arrest was made as a 25-year-old knucklehead from East Boston. Uh, this stuff happens, and, and this is the kind of stuff that those who live outside of, I guess, the New England bubble are going to look at and say, see, this guy was obviously paid off by the Patriots, another example of them cheating and trying to get an edge and everything else. This stuff happens a lot. It happened to the Patriots before Super Bowl 49. It happened to the Patriots before their first Super Bowl. Uh, it happened to Kansas City earlier this season. So it, it happens to other, um, in other cities and other organizations. Unfortunately, there are idiots everywhere. And this one, uh, again, a 25-year-old uh, East Boston man who was arrested by Mass State Police, decided that he would go pull a fire alarm. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It happened at 3 o'clock in the morning. The game's not until 6.40. Um, it's just not something that you can, uh, you know, that you can use as a, any kind of an excuse. But that said, it's going to get a lot of buzz. People are going to talk about it because it's the Patriots. I understand how this, uh, how this whole game works. But uh, if the uh, Steelers lose this game and they're, they're trying to hang it on a fire alarm, that happened more than 24 hours uh, before kickoff, or more than um, 12 hours, rather, before kickoff, then uh, that's pretty weak uh, in my mind. I think Pittsburgh, the organization, their fan base should be better than that. You know what? They might have another out, though. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Now, they might have another out, though, because 15 players on the Steelers have been hit hard by the flu, the stomach flu. Tomlin said he's never going to use that as an excuse. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I mean, Mike Tomlin has, has used excuses before. I remember him whining and crying in 2015 about the uh, headsets not working properly and getting the Patriots radio broadcast. Uh, this is also the guy on Thanksgiving who is standing out in front of, I think it was Jacoby Jones, and it looked like he was trying to trip him or at the very least uh, interrupt his progress on the sideline. And then tried to play it off like it was an accident, but the cameras cut to him right afterwards and he had a bleep-eating grin on his face. So, Look, Mike Tomlin is not better uh, or worse when it comes to any of this kind of gamesmanship, but I'm not painting the Patriots as uh, angels either. They've certainly bent and broken the rules in the past. Uh, the Steelers or the uh, Seahawks, rather, are about to lose a draft pick for breaking the rules. It happens around the league. It's not right. It's just the way that it is, and Tomlin's certainly not above the fray. That said, as powerful as uh, Bill Belichick is and as great a coach as he is, I don't think he can make a dozen players get the flu. I don't think that's uh, quite within the realm of uh, of his uh, abilities as a football coach. Now, uh, before I let you go, competitive edge versus cheating. I-, I was struck with this this morning. What's the line, in your opinion? 
Oh, if it's against the rules, it's it's cheating. I mean, that's it. What this guy did, uh, what this Dennis Harrison guy did, is against the law. I mean, that's it. Doesn't matter whether the Steelers are inside or whether it's just um, you know you and me and a bunch of other regular people that are, are sleeping inside that hotel. You're not allowed to pull a fire alarm if there's no fire. You get a disorderly conduct charge. You get charged with pulling a false alarm. You get charged with disturbing the peace. I think he's been charged with all of that. Uh, and I may be covering his arraignment in court uh, tomorrow, depending on how much we really care about this and whether it's something that uh, people are all that interested in. So that's uh, there's no gray area there. You just can't do it. Um, you know, I think that, that the line of gamesmanship is trying to find every last uh, edge that you possibly can. You know, maybe waiting until uh, that last split second or maybe even just after that last split second to call a timeout to ice a kicker. That's gamesmanship. Um, taking the air out of a football, if the Patriots, in fact, did that, I don't know that it was proven in Deflategate, but if they did that, that's cheating. That's not gamesmanship. That's just cheating. Um, you know, setting the footballs uh, a little bit below 12 and a half and, and not tampering with them after and trying to see whether you can kind of sneak one by. Like Aaron Rodgers, for example, says he'll inflate the footballs past 13 and a half PSI and hope for the best, hope you can sneak them by. To me, that's gamesmanship uh, because it's incumbent on the officials to, to sort of catch you and do it. So you can come up with probably a dozen other examples and, and go either way on them. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to pretend the Patriots are this choir boy organization. They, they haven't been over the years. They cheated when it came to the whole Spygate uh, issue. There was no question about that. They put a camera where they shouldn't have put a camera, period. End of story. Uh, there's no excusing it. There's no uh, denying it. And they paid a serious price for it, and they should have. But now it seems like anything that happens, any little thing, uh, even if it has no nothing to do with the Patriots whatsoever, like the, the headsets, the, the NFL controls those, the Patriots don't. And the NFL, as we've seen, is not exactly predisposed to doing the Patriots any favors. Um, anything at all, though, gets tied back to the Patriots. Here they go again. They're a cheating organization. It is what it is, and from a New England perspective, you just got to lock it out and, and ignore it and focus on the fact that they've got four championships and are looking for a fifth. Now, one last question here. Now, Goodell, Roger Goodell, is going to be in Atlanta, checking out the Atlanta game. twice, Two weeks in a row he's going to be in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, as a New England, what's the New England perspective now that he is not going to be watching the AFC championship? He'll be watching the NFC championship this week. I think it's a collective shrug of the shoulders. I don't think people really care at this point that much what Roger Goodell does. Nobody was terribly surprised uh, when he decided that uh, he was going to go to Atlanta for a second straight week rather than coming to New England. Look, Roger Goodell has shown, and this is not through what he's done with the Patriots, but through everything that has happened uh, from Bounty Gate through the Ray Rice, uh, Greg Hardy, uh, Josh Brown incidents, Roger Goodell is not a leader. He's an abject, feckless coward, and he has been since he took office. And that's, that's what he is paid to do. He is paid $44 million a year to basically stand in front of the bullets that 32 other NFL owners or 31 in the Green Bay Packers don't want to take. The man's not a leader. He has never been a leader. And he, for him to show an ounce of backbone, for him to show some sort of, of fortitude or, or leadership or courage would be completely out of character for him. So I'm not surprised whatsoever that he'll be down in Atlanta. I hope he enjoys himself, and you know we'll see. Maybe he'll be uh, handing the Patriots the Lombardi Trophy in two weeks. Wow, those are some fighting words. That's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Chris, I, I enjoy having you on. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I was just sending a, a Twitter message to you. People are loving you on my show, so I want to appreciate. I want to thank you. I appreciate you coming on and taking your time out on Sunday to uh, to come on and talk Patriots football. 
Hey, I'm happy to do it anytime. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have another game to talk about in a couple weeks. I was just, I just wrote that. I said I, I said I hope the Patriots win today so I can have you on again. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank okay, you. thank you. Man, he is great, isn't he great? So that's Chris Villani, V I L L A N I. You can find him at Chris V I L L A N I four four. At uh. That's on Twitter. So, Chris Villani, thank you again for coming on. Great insight. Uh, you gotten great reviews here on Facebook Live so far, um, and and I hope uh, I hope you come on next week. Uh, so, some feedback. Uh, Timothy David Schumann at Rise Up Nation, right? You're on on Periscope. He said, "With TL." <laughs> now, people are starting to talk on here. So, uh, Alex Gerbic said, "We can agree on that. Nobody wants Goodell." LOL. <laughs> Um, and again, Tim said, so Aaron Rodgers' team, Packers, has the sickness, but he said he doesn't want to be referred to as Michael Jordan. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers has the flu as well. So just to wrap up the uh, the Patriots-Steelers game, listen, I think my things to watch, number one, as, you know, just going back to reflecting on this interview here, my number one thing to watch is going to be Le'Veon Bell versus the Patriots defense. Uh, you know, you can't defend everything. I've been on here before. You can't defend everything. But I think the Patriots' defense under, uh, you know, Bill Parcells-ish uh, mentality, the Patriots' defense is going to go after stop the run first. They're going to make Ben Roethlisberger, you know, throw the ball downfield and see what happens. That's what they're going to do. Like I said, the longest run the Patriots have allowed all season, I mean, this is not a new scheme, okay? The longest run all season is 45 yards. Only allowed six total rushing touchdowns, lowest in the league. So they're going to make Ben Roethlisberger try and beat them in the air. So like I said, next thing... And, and Chris said it too. The, the second, the tertiary players are going to have to make plays for the Steelers. Now, uh, one of that 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 guy is going to be probably, or the Steelers are going to look to Jesse James to be that guy. And uh, since the start of his career last year, he's been compared to in Steelers Nation, the retired Steelers tight end Heath Miller, uh, all-time great Steeler. And while playing at Heinz Field, the crowd actually, when they when he makes a big play. They yell heat after a reception from Jesse James. So he's a great addition to this efficient Steelers offense. He's young enough. He's, he's 22 years old to become maybe a fan- franchise player. A big game today w- would certainly solidify his legacy as a household name in, in, in Pittsburgh Steelers Nation if he's not already. And in, 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 and in the nation, the rest of us might know who he is, right? Um, now the Steelers, how are they handling adversity? We talked about it. Okay, the breaking news around the NFL basically is the fact that some idiot <laughs> uh, went to the back of the hotel, uh, had a getaway car, pulled the fire alarm. He's charged, like Chris said, with all of those things. He's got like four charges against him. Went off at 3 a.m. Actually, the the Steelers did not have to leave their hotel rooms. Is what I'm what I'm hearing. He uh, pulled the fire alarm in a stairwell near an exit, fled to his car, left the scene, tracked down by police, and uh, the Steelers were awake. They were awakened by this, but they didn't have to actually go outside. So will it have an impact on their performance? Doubtful. I don't think so. Now, also, Ladarius Green, tight end, and five other Steelers sat out of practice on Thursday. Uh, That's not calling a couple days ago due to the stomach flu. That's maybe like a 24-hour virus, though. Over the span of the past two days, 15 players on that team have had it. Tomlin, like I said, said he won't ever use that as an excuse. The quote is, we're not making excuses. There won't be. We'll be there. We'll be ready to play. This is just part of the normal things that happen over the course of the season, end quote. 
<laughs> Chris doesn't believe it. He's not buying it. So we will see. We will see what happens in this game today. So the Steelers at the Patriots, that's going to be at 640, the night game, Eastern time, obviously. CBS from Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. My score prediction. Um, I, I do think that the Patriots are going to pull this one out. I mean, just I believe that their defense is better than the defense of the Steelers. And the old adage that defense wins championships, you know, it is what it is. I mean, Devin McCourty is Captain Captain McCourty over there on the Patriots defense. He, you know, it is what it is. They have the one of the best running defenses in the league. Big Ben over Tom Brady. I'm going with Tom Brady. In the clutch, definitely Tom Brady. I picked Eli Manning over Ben Roethlisberger in the clutch. I mean, so come on. And at, at home, like I said, the Patriots are 5-1 and one in the last six AFC championship games at home. They're basically unbeatable at home. So I'm going to go with the Patriots today over the Steelers. <sighs> I think it's going to be middle-of-the-road score, not low-scoring, not high-scoring. That's, that's the first game today. It's going to be high-scoring. So I'm going to say let's go with... Patriots are going to score 35. No, 28. Patriots 28. Steelers are going to score, let's say, 24. 28-24. Pats over the Steelers. Lock it in. Hey, how you doing, man? This is Ryan Grant, Packers, former Super Bowl running back. And you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime. NFL Playoffs Championship Sunday is uh, preceded. Preceding the Patriots game is going to be Packers at Falcons. That's a 3.05 Eastern game. So that's in like, you know, a couple hours, three hours. That's going to be broadcast live on Fox from the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, if you missed it, if you weren't listening, here's uh, myself and Dylan Batantis talking about the Patriots, uh, you know, the Patriots, Packers, and what he thinks is going to happen in the NFL Playoffs. Football. Who do you have winning the Super Bowl this year? Who's your favorite? Well, the favorite to win. Well, I mean, there's so many good teams left. Uh, you know, what, what Aaron Rodgers is doing is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I feel like they're gonna be hard to, you know, be hard to beat. But uh, Matt Ryan has been playing well in the Falcons. But you know, I, I got Green Bay and I got New England. So and I'm, I think Aaron Rodgers is gonna walk yeah. away with this. It's a bold prediction. He thinks Aaron Rodgers is going to walk away with the Super Bowl. So let's see. So I was just corrected by Tim on there. I don't know if you go by Tim or Timothy, but I was saying the Packers game. He corrected me. He said, you mean the Falcons game. So let's just go Packers at Falcons. So um, I talked to Anita Marks and Chris Canty this morning um, about how the about the Packers defense, right? So basically, and that was on ESPN Radio, if anybody heard it. It was uh, about an hour and a half ago. But the Packers barely contained the Giants' offense last week. Barely. Just barely. If Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard didn't drop those balls when they did, including a one or two of them in the end zone, that game would have been an entirely different game. Entire different complexion to that game. The Giants don't even have a running game. The Giants don't even have a running game. And the Packers couldn't... Con they, knew, they knew the game was going to be uh, one-dimensional, and they couldn't contain him. Now, the Falcons have many, many offensive weapons. Jones, Sanu, Devontae, Freeman, everybody. And the Packers' defense, it's decimated. We've talked about it week in and week out, how, how laden with injuries this defense is. 
you know, put it against one of the most high-powered, if not the most high-powered offense of the entire NFL right now, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. Aaron Rodgers can only keep the Packers in the game for so long today. No, when the Packers played the uh, when the Giants played the Cowboy uh, the Giants and Packers game, so I mean the Falcons have so many offensive weapons. I mean, Aaron Rodgers can't play defense too, right? Last I checked, right? So now I believe that the Packers might be trying to have an out too, right? So the Packers are are battling the flu, the actual flu, right? Aaron Rodgers, Mason Crosby. The starting quarterback, kicker, Jordy Nelson, just to name a few. And, uh, you know, by the way, Jordy Nelson, he's going to be wearing, I think they said a Teflon flapjack over his two broken ribs. Okay, so the injury report, according to at Rap Sheet, right, Scott, what's his name, Rap Report, uh, Devontae Adams with an ankle is expected to play. Geronimo Allison, love that. Geronimo Allison with a hamstring is expected to play. Safety Morgan Burnett with a quad injury is expected to play. And Jordy Nelson with his two broken ribs is expected to play. Now, my question is this. If you are the Packers and you say that Jordy Nelson with two ribs is after two weeks is expected to play, do you think that's a decoy? I think that might be a decoy. Because to be able to just you know say that he's going to play... So you, you you force the Falcons to, to game plan against him, and then he doesn't play? I don't know. I mean, I, I, maybe the injury report has come out since I've been on the air. I haven't been able to check, but I don't know. I just I, I don't see him playing. I mean, they're going to see how he's going to warm up. Obviously, they're going to take a look at him, but they're not going to put him in harm's way, obviously. I just don't see him playing, and I think that's just one less weapon. I mean, look, listen. Aaron Rodgers, when he wings that Hail Mary pass down the field, it's dangerous. That's a dangerous, dangerous play. A dangerous pass for any defense. However, if anybody learned anything from the Giants game right before the half, um, it is to get behind the the last receiver deep into the end zone. As a defense, you want to be behind the receiver. You don't want to ever leave a guy on the offense behind you in the end zone. Uh, ESPN, uh, Tim said, I heard, heard on ESPN there will be a game-time decision for McCarthy to make. Yeah, they're going to have to check the warm-ups, but I, I I just don't see Jordy Nelson playing. Maybe if they get it to the Super Bowl, he'll have an extra maybe two weeks rest. Maybe then, but two broken ribs, a lot can go wrong there. It's not like it's like a broken toe or something. If you get a rib in the wrong spot, you know, it could be very harmful. So... The flu, Aaron Rodgers, has been probably loaded up with IV fluid all week. He doesn't seem to be phased by anything. Uh, he said, quote, we'll be okay. It's kind of going around. I know Jordy had it. Mason had it. I got it. So we're all going to be okay and deal with it, end quote. To add to the adversity, <laughs> to play this up here, the plane was delayed uh, leaving Green Bay. So the, it was a heavy fog condition here in New York, too, last night and this morning. Heavy fog. The The Packers team charter plane was in, unable to land at Green Bay's airport on Saturday. As a result, they had to be diverted to Milwaukee. I believe they had to take a bus, actually, from Green Bay to Milwaukee. And after landing in Milwaukee, they had to take a bus and travel 125 miles to catch their flight to Atlanta. So they were delayed, I believe it was 
two hours altogether. Two hours, plane delay and travel delay for the Patriots. I mean, for the Packers. Are they going to blame it on that? I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, did they? Ha- they they could have had a meeting on the plane. You know, and when they got to the hotel in Atlanta, they could have just it happens. It happens all the time. It happens often. Maybe someone on the Packers should have had the foresight to be able to uh, recognize that that was the weather condition and uh, plan accordingly, right? So, like I said, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, all they're all set to fl- to play. Uh, Nelson ordered extra padding to protect his ribs during the game. Adams and Allison missed practice this week where they are expected to play unless they're having trouble during pregame warm-ups. We talked about that. <laughs> Some uh, Tim said, sounds like a bunch of excuses to prepare for that loss. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm setting that up because I, I don't see the Packers winning this game today. They're going to the Georgia Dome. You heard Eric Coleman on here last week talking about how the Georgia Dome is just an incredible home field advantage. Uh, to play in, I mean, come on, it's a dome. First of all, you're gonna have to. Rogers is gonna have to either go with the no huddle offense, some hand signals, and who knows what can happen with that? That leads to mistakes, you know. And you know, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, how hot can a team really stay? They've been hot since week 11. How many weeks ago was that? They've been on a tear since week 11. Don't don't. Wouldn't you figure that they would have to run out of gas? You know, once, right? But I think that last week when the, the Falcons beat the Cowboys, I just don't see that the, the Falcons, I mean, the, the Cowboys' defense was ready for Devontae Freeman. I mean, Devontae Freeman out of the backfield as a runner and Devontae Freeman out of the backfield as a pass receiver, I mean, he, he was he was unstoppable. He was the X factor in that game for me. So uh, Julio Jones is uh, battling a toe injury. I'm not sure exactly what that was. Uh, maybe, Tim, you can confirm that for me. But, you know, Mohamed Sanu. And, again, we're going to have to go. The playoffs, for me, come down to not the primary and secondary receivers. It's like the tertiary receivers that are good, a good game and, and tertiary players. Mohamed Sanu, look for him today. He had a touchdown last week versus the the, pack, the, the Cowboys just to, to seal the deal. And Sanu, I'm going to get a, talk to, a chance to talk with him in March, Tim. So uh, let me know any questions you have for him, but Mohamed Sanu, Rutgers product, I'm looking forward to interviewing him, and he will play, Julio Jones will play today, yeah, of course he's going to play, who would sit that out, come on, who would sit that out, even Jordy Nelson with two two ribs is going to give it a shot today, so listen, I just think that the the Falcons offense is just too high powered, there are too many weapons for a Packers defense that couldn't really even contain the Giants one dimensional offense going back, I mean, Aaron Rodgers bailed them out, I just don't see Aaron Rodgers being able to bail him out on the road in Atlanta, in the Georgia Dome. Yes, Atlanta is a complete team coming into today's game. Yes, I agree. Packers are not. I would love to see Atlanta in a Super Bowl. I really would. I, I would like to see Patriots-Falcons. So I, I'm going to go with the Falcons today. I'm going to um, do a score of a 42. This is going to be a shootout. This is going to be a fun game to watch, everybody. You should make sure you're tuning in. It's 3.05 p.m. Eastern. Um, I'm going to say Falcons 42, Packers 35. Rodgers comes up short. Lock that in. Falcons 42, Packers 35. And again, the winners of today will punch their tickets to Houston for Super Bowl 51. 
And my last thing I want to talk about today is competitive edge versus cheating. Competitive edge versus cheating. Cheating is if it's against the rules. If it's written down and you defy the written rule, that is cheating. Timothy's going to go with 44-42 ATL. Close. Okay. Let's see. Now, cheating. Cheating is dressing up. Let's just say this is a hypothetical situation, if you can catch my drift in the sarcasm. Dressing up as an NFL network employee to film practice of another team. That is cheating. Competitive edge. Endless hours of studying tape to address tendencies of the other team. Competitive edge. Cheating. Stealing a playbook. Competitive edge. Let's say... uh, being able to monitor weather conditions and and outfit the players accordingly, that's a competitive edge. Cheating, I can't think I can't think off the top of my head here, but you get what I'm saying. The, if if it's in direct violation of the rules, it's cheating. It, it, I mean, Chris Villani have have a very black and white uh, perspective on this. If it's against the rules, it's cheating. If it's not, it's not cheating. Now, is there a rule against? how inflated the the ball should be in a game, for example. I I believe that there is. So, for me, cheating and competitive edge is is black and white. Completely black and white. And if it's written down, you should not be violating it. And if you do, you should be subjected to the fines. Now, Michigan football, last story of the day, Michigan football is bringing their spring practice to Roma, Italia. That's a new news. Um, what's his name? Harbaugh down there is is out there, is really pushing the envelope on, on what is allowed and is not allowed. Here we go in in college football. I mean, he was, I believe he brought his team down to Florida during spring break to have practices the college football organization really shut that down. So I believe this might be the first time that uh, a college football team program is going to be practicing abroad. There's the pluses and minuses to that, but one of the pluses was that he said that a lot of his players might be planning to study abroad in in Italy, and this gives them the direct access to do it. You know what I mean? So, uh, and breaking news here, Giordano Ventura's death. Uh, he was a pitcher, I believe, in the Dodgers organization, I want to say. He was 25 years old, and he was involved in an accident. Uh, I believe it was a car accident in the Dominican Republic. Oh, it's a Kansas City Royals pitcher, Giordano Ventura. Killed in car accident in Dominican Republic on Sunday. Jerry Krasnick says it's hard to wrap your mind around. Is this uh, Fernandez 2.0? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Michigan football is going to Italy. They'll be playing there. And, uh, and oh, and uh, BackSportsPage.com, BackSportsPage.com. Randy Zellia does a great job at that, that website, and he asked uh, his staff to kind of just reflect on the biggest moments in the, in sports over the past year. Uh, you know, it's the end of January, but it's okay. So I said that uh, the biggest moment in the NFL for me has to be 
Tom Brady's four-game suspension is upheld. I, I I was a little bit shocked by that. After a long-fought battle over under-inflated footballs, the NFL imposed a four-game suspension on the New England Patriots' future Hall of Fame quarterback. This is what I wrote. I, I wrote, I still remain skeptical about the entire situation. However, in the record books, as baseball sluggers have asterisks next to their name for PED usage, we talked about that a little bit, I believe Tom Brady should have one next to his to signify the scandal that tarnished not about him, but about the NFL's integrity. It, it, starting with that, and people were starting to question the NFL's integrity here on out, basically. basically. So, uh, And the other thing I, I, I reacted to was the top baseball moments of 2016. Uh, everybody went with probably the Cubs, I'm going to say. My top story is that the Baby Bombers have arrived in the Bronx. And I talked a little bit about that with uh, Dylan Matanzas, who is a young guy himself. I was at the 96 World Series reunion game, and I told you guys on here that I was. It was the first baseball game. The first baseball game I ever attended was the Yankees and Brewers. It was June of 1996. And seeing that team, the beginning of the Yankees dynasty, back together at this game was a trip down memory lane for sure. And uh, as the baseball gods would have it, in the sweltering summertime heat of New York City, and I'm telling you, even my knees and ankles were sweating, the baby bombers, Aaron Judge and Tyler Austin, hit back-to-back home runs. Going back-to-back, right, Drake? In their first at-bats in the big leagues. There's no doubt that in the presence of the original Yankees dynasty team, Judge and Austin tipped off a brand-new dynasty, in my mind. So while everybody else is picking the Cubs, 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 I'm going to go with the resurgence of the Yankees. Right? The resurgence of the Yankees for 2017 and that's what i got for you guys today so you want to check out my site prosportsrundown.com twitter at coach m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n youtube search coach space mccartan soundcloud.com slash coach mccartan on demand you want to get me on demand listen anytime anywhere itunes podcast type in in the itunes store coach space mccartan tune in radio as well 60 space minute space overtime. I believe you can do tune in radio live. I'm going to look into that for next week. Uh, play.google.com. Search Coach McCartan. No spaces. And uh, uh, Periscope kind of uh, didn't work out today. Sorry about that. Um, but Facebook did. So facebook.com slash Coach McCartan is the live stream. I want to thank you guys for hanging with me today. It's 1222. And uh, let, let's watch some football today. So, like I said, I'm going to – Super Bowl 51 for me is going to look, hopefully, like the Falcons and the Patriots. So I want to thank you guys for listening, spending your Sunday morning with me. And I'll be back next week. If you got some – I want to do a little bit next week about uh, home gating, tail, you know, tailgating, but at home for Super Bowl parties. If you have any ideas, any recipes you want me to share, let me know. Uh, tomorrow will be a little bit, uh, next week will be a little bit more lighter of a show. I don't want to get into X's and O's, I don't think, next week if I don't have to. We'll talk about other things, maybe some hockey next week or maybe some basketball. And uh, and we'll go from there. Okay, so if you guys have any ideas, please shoot me a message if you want me to cover something or if you want to talk about something with me. That's great. And thanks to, to Lenny for calling in. Uh, thanks to Chris Villani for calling in. For uh, Tim, my new friend on Facebook, Tim. For, for talking Falcons with me. Uh, you're here every week, and, and I really appreciate that. Lenny's here every week. Chris Villani's here, you know, as of recently every week. And, uh, and, and hey, it wouldn't happen without you guys, right? So um, 
that's it for me for today. You're listening to 60 Minute Overtime with Danielle McCartan on WRPR 90.3 FM. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search with no spaces Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.